Welcome to the Everyday Lions podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lyons. Uh, hi, guys. This week, uh, I had two runners compete in the Compass Run series down in Cockle Creek. We had Susan Moody and Darlene Jacks, who had some great runs. Uh, Cockle Creek is right down the bottom end of Tasmania, and it would have been bloody freezing. So well done, ladies. It's great to see that Run For has been back now for a few weeks. I'm sure Beck would love to see your smiling face there. It's every Wednesday at quarter six in lots of different runs from week by week. Uh, my groups are still growing nicely. I've got nine runners now. On Monday, they did some 250 meter efforts and a tempo. We have a really great culture happening there and if you are looking for some group interval training please consider everyday lions interval training you can uh, find out more information at www.everydaylions.org and don't hesitate to message me if you'd like to know a little bit more i'm really pleased with how the online running coaching business is growing as well uh, I've got close to 30 runners now, I coach, and it's been awesome just to see uh, how well they've been going and, and to see them find some motivation again during this hard period and, and to see them get some personal best. I know personally as a coach, it, it's been great to watch and it's as good as any PB that I've had. I'm still doing Dry July, I'm just three weeks into this now. I have a goal of $1,500, I've raised $1,200, and if I reach $1,500, I'll be shaving my beard off. So I would love a donation. It's for a great cause in cancer. So yeah, if you could spare uh, a little bit of money, just head over and check out my profile at Dry July and you'll see my hairy mug. Uh, in my personal life, my anxiety has been up and down. I'm on my fifth lot of medication and it's getting really tiring. Uh, lately, I've been quite agitated with the whole thing. I have to keep positive and I can't give up. Uh, you know, I've just had some, some pretty horrible thoughts going on the past seven months. I guess my biggest worry is if my anxiety gets too bad, I'll go down the path of self-medicating with alcohol, which is what I do not want to do. And staying sober is my number one priority. I guess I do this by continuing my meditation and my mindfulness, which I know will help me and doing a little bit of consequential thinking. Uh, you know, I'm in a good headspace, so I'll be right. But also with the podcast, if you'd like to leave a ratings on iTunes, we will go up in our little subject of running uh, and, you know, more people will find out about the podcast. Um, yeah, so if you're enjoying it, please, please leave a ratings and even a comment to this week's guest. This week's guest is Nikki Long. I first made contact with Nikki during Global Running Day uh, when she did a profile on me. Nikki is the owner and manager of FitX Expo. She's done many events, including some tower runs, some Spartan events, some obstacle course races, and many others. She's also the event manager of the Mother's Day Classic in Hobart and is also a personal trainer when she's not doing all these fantastic things. We talk about all these events, where FitX Expo looks like going into the future, and a serious injury she sustained during an event. It's a great podcast. Um, Nikki's a great lady. Uh, please reach out to Nikki if you did enjoy the podcast. Um, yeah, this has been the Everyday Lions podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lyons. Until next time, happy running.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Everyday Lions podcast. Today's guest is Nikki Long. Nikki is the founder of FitX Expo and does a little bit of running as well and many other things. Are you there, Nikki? I am here. How has your day been? My day's been pretty good. It's been a pretty relaxing, resting, down sort of time day today. So I've done a little bit of exploring this week, but today was completely rest. So yeah, it's been great to have those sort of days. Great. Uh, what, what sort of exploring? Did you go for a bushwalk or something like that? or? Yeah, so this week I went and explored the disappearing tarn that I think half of Hobart have been to this week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it only comes, yeah, when there's been heavy rainfall. But, yeah, it had, it's definitely the first time that I've seen it and, yeah, had to see it with my own eyes. So, yeah, it was pretty, yeah, spectacular. Yeah, so it's as beautiful as the photos. It's not, it's not been photoshopped or anything, you don't reckon? No, definitely. How did you get into the running? Yeah, so I was one of those, I suppose, lucky kids when I was younger. I was a natural-born fast runner. Um, so, yeah, when I was in primary school, cross-country was my thing. So, yeah, and no one could come close to, yeah, keeping up to me. Yep. Um, I used to, yeah, sprint off at the start and then it was yeah, pretty much just catch me if you can. Um, yeah, and I used to always love the 100-metre sprint. Um, there was something about the 100-metre sprint, just that mad dash. But then, yeah, love cross-country, yeah, with the different scenery. Um, and then, yeah, got into high school and I unfortunately hung up my cross-country boots and just concentrated on sprinting. So a 100-metre sprint plus the relay was my sort of go-to event. Um, but a big thing for me was sport. So I played state-level basketball. Um, so my speed and, yeah, quickness from, yeah, running – um, definitely helped me achieve what I did, yeah, for Tassie back in those sort of early days of running. Um, and, yeah, it's, and then I sort of, yeah, when I started working, I did give up running for a bit. But then, yeah, two years ago, I, yeah, got back into it and started doing fun runs and, yeah, sort of working more probably behind the scenes of some of our major, yeah, events here in Tassie. Great. And we'll touch on that a little bit further down the track. Yes. So you were, so you were very much a natural runner, um, but it was more something that you did, like you had the basketball. Was that, would you say that that was your major love? It was, yeah. So being able to do, you know, the quickness, agility, yeah, speed um, that I had naturally, it made me the player that I was in basketball. So I was your typical point guard, yeah, that could dart around people. Um, yeah, and people were just like, wow, you know, and they could see yeah. my speed straight away. So it definitely helped in that way. Um, yeah, and everyone sort of said I should have, yeah, probably went down the path of little athletics and um, continued running. Um, but yeah, basketball was where my heart was at. Yeah, great. And it's got it's got some transfer. Well, the running and basketball has got some transferable skills. You have to be pretty dedicated at both things to uh, to be quite good at it. Anyway, you do, you, you do. Yeah, yeah, great. And can you explain what your typical training week would look like for you? Yeah, so at the moment, I'm training out of BroFit in Rosny. So at the moment, I train sort of four to five times a week. Um, and my training at the moment is for obstacle course racing. Um, so it's very strength-based, cardio, 
Um, and at the moment, we're currently working on endurance. So I'm right. attempting my first half marathon later this year. So endurance is very high up the priority <laughs> list. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, so what's your longest run out to at the moment? Or, or have you just started this journey? So with obstacle course racing, I've been doing it now for uh, about 18 months. Um, right. And so my first race with obstacle coursing was 5Ks. Yep. So 5Ks plus about 30 obstacles. Um, and my biggest one that I've done has been 14Ks. Um, okay. Yeah, so then, yeah, I've got the Beast to go, which is a 21K. Um, yeah, so that's, yeah, it's a big one, but I'm excited to do it. It's always been on the bucket list. Um, yeah, and this year's the year to do it. Great. And, and can, you, can you explain to the listeners a little bit what is involved in an obstacle course that you would do that far? Yeah, so with the obstacle courses that I do, I mainly go through Spartan. Um, so, yeah, like there's no Spartan here in Tasmania but I travel to the mainland and take part. So it's sort of, you run probably the distance varies. So it could be like a 500 meter run to a K and in between those sort of, yeah, distances, you face obstacles that test your speed, um, endurance, balance, strength. Um, it's an all over body workout. Um, there's some really heavy things that you have to lift. There's monkey bars, there's rings, there's rope climbs. Um, there's going up and over inverted walls. Um, yeah, you name it and you'll probably wow. face it. Um, so it's a real test. Um, yeah. For the mind, the body. Um, yeah. And, but I just love it. Yeah. Like yeah, it's something great. completely different. Every race you do is yeah. Completely different. So, yeah, and, and do you have designated days where you'll do strength work? So you work on your arms one day or on your legs another day. Is that, is that how your training works? Yeah. So at the moment I'm doing a strength day, cardio strength. Um, and then on the weekends, I'm trying to get those more endurance runs in. So yeah. So through the week, um, Monday's strength. Yeah. Tuesday's cardio. Yeah. Wednesday's strength and Thursday's cardio. Friday's a rest day. And then Saturday, Sunday is picking up those paces of those runs. Brilliant. And so your journey began, you were doing the basketball and then you obviously you're a natural runner. So you've been able to do that. And then you took up this obstacle course racing. Yes. Always involved in the fitness industry as well. No, I wasn't always involved in the fitness industry. When I was young, if anyone asked me, what are you going to be when you grow up? My answer was always a PE teacher. Yeah. But for some reason, during my course at school, I yeah, started studying like law, business and um, tourism. And yeah, when I left college, I started, um, I went straight into real estate, wow. which was a complete, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, but yeah, I did real estate for eight years of my life. Um, but there was always that passion behind me that I was always interested in fitness. Um, and then, yeah, two years ago, I made the massive career change and decided that I wanted to do something really positive. And for me, that was, yeah, getting back into the fitness industry. And I started working as an event assistant on the Raw Challenge Tasmania, um, the Mother's Day Classic here in Hobart, and at that stage, also FitEx as well. Um, and then, yeah, about 18 months of working on those projects, then I brought the rights to it and went out on my own. So... Yeah, wow. it's been a bit of an exciting journey, but yeah, like that passion, yeah, has always been there. So yeah, yeah. and now I'm following that. 
Fantastic. No, good on you. And it's so hard to make a career change as well. It's just not, it's not as easy. <laughs> no, everyone was like, what are you doing? This is what you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but, but once again, you would have learned a lot of great skills from, from selling real estate because that's not an easy job either. It can be stressful, especially when it's, um, you know, like your, the money you make it comes down to what you sell, doesn't it, as well? Yeah, so I did a bit of both. So I did, um, so because I was very young when I first went into it, so I started off in admin um, and then went into like a PA role, then was my own sales consultant and also I've done a bit of property management as well. So I've got a very broad range of skill set that I have learned from real estate that has made it very easy for me to transition onto event management. Um, so yeah, very similar skill sets that has helped me, yeah, be able to, I think, achieve and move so fast, yeah, through this industry. Great. And did you want to explain the two events that you talked about and to the people listening and what they are and, and, and what, you know, what level they're at at the moment in case these listeners don't know? Yeah. So FIDEX is the Tasmanian Health and Fitness Expo. Um, so it used to be just one expo that used to be held every year, but now FedEx has yeah, got a lot bigger and it's building and there's a lot more events that happen throughout the year. So this year we've hosted an international women's day event that was at the casino, which had, yeah, like over 125 women come out and work out for the day. Um, and, and yeah, we're starting to get back into physical events now in Tassie, which is fantastic. Um, so yeah, coming up, we've got our FedEx Throwdown, which is a gym based competition that will see gyms come together and compete against each other. Um, and we're looking at breaking a Guinness world record later this year as well. Um, and then we also will have a expo, which will be a celebration for our industry, which is celebrating health, wellness and fitness. Um, and then next year, in line with the Olympics, if it all goes ahead, will be the FedEx Games. So there's lots happening with FedEx. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's exciting times, um, especially, you know, with everything that we've just gone through with COVID. Um, yeah, I think the fitness industry is stronger than ever. Um, and then the other event that I work on is the Mother's Day Classic Fun Run here in Hobart. So I do all the event organising for those physical events to happen here. Um, so yeah, I was in the midst of, yeah, putting all that together for this year's event in May and then yeah, COVID sort of raised its head in March and said, uh, uh, we can't do events here. Um, so we did the first ever virtual event for Mother's Day Classic this year, which was yeah, absolutely fantastic to see as well. So yeah, it's been a massive journey. Um, yeah. And it's been great. Like, yeah, I've really enjoyed these last few months. Anyone looking in uh, to FedEx, especially, uh, like I was aware of it, and that's just grown, hasn't it, each, each yeah. year? Getting yeah, bigger. so yeah. especially like even during these last few months, like we've been putting on FedEx challenges um, to keep people motivated and inspired during isolation. And yeah. so like our first one was a, just a FedEx 5K. Um, so people could walk, run or cycle it anywhere they wanted to do during isolation. Um, and we had, yeah, like over 300 people take part in one day around Tassie. So people from Georgetown, Burnie, Hobart, Lonnie, yeah, all taking part, which was fantastic to see. Um, and then our most recent one was the FedEx one lap virtual lap around Tassie. Um, so we had three days to try and clock up 1,500 Ks. Right. <laughs> um, again, people could do, yeah, walking, running or cycling. 
And yeah, by sort of, yeah, 4pm on the Sunday, yeah, it was well and truly achieved. So yeah, that was a real group effort to achieve that. So yeah, yeah. massive K's coming in. Awesome. And, and have you found that uh, the, the you've really had to be imaginative during this COVID virus? Yes. I know, like I know my business personally, uh, it's, it's actually grown because of what's happened. Mm. It's made me push myself. I'm not sure if you feel that way with what. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think like I remember when everything sort of first happened, I was like, wow, you know, what am I going to do? You know, it was a very sort of scary thought, you know, about how the world was changing and what the future sort of looked like. Um, but yeah, it made me think outside the square. It made me think about ideas that I'd never thought about before. Um, and it made me think about the community in a much broader way of how I could help people during a tough time. Um, and for me, that was, yeah, connecting with people on virtual challenges. Um, yeah, and it's been, yeah, absolutely amazing. And like, yeah, my business has grown through this, yeah, yeah which I never thought would happen. <laughs> I was the same. As soon as all this news came in, I've gone, oh, there's no races. You know, what, what, what goals have people got? And as you know, yeah. like everyone looks forward to these big events or, or something happening that they can strive for. But you can, yeah, you can be imaginative and get people moving. And um, I think people have realised how, how important mental health is during this time and exercise is a huge part of that. Yeah. And like, especially, yeah, when the gyms, you know, all that, the lockdowns happened there. Like the biggest thing I saw was how many people was out walking, running and cycling. Like it's the yeah. most I've ever seen the bike tracks being used, the beaches, you know, were busy. Um, yeah. Everywhere you looked, there was people trying to keep active. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like they weren't, you know, they was taking that time away from home. Yeah. And being active. So yeah, it was fantastic to see. And I thought, well, I need to, yeah, move these into challenges to keep people motivated, keep people inspired. Um, yeah, before the gyms yeah, reopened. Yeah. And you're doing a fantastic job too. I ah, thank I, you. I your pages, so <laughs> yeah. And um you touched on females. Have you found there's been been a growth with that, just even the last two years, even without COVID nineteen going on? Yeah, there's definitely been a boost. Um, yeah, like there seems to be a lot more female trainers coming up through the ranks at the moment. Um, yeah, and there's a lot more females that are you know, going into gyms, getting memberships, um, yeah, like signing up to do runs. Um, yeah, and really sort of, yeah, you know, stepping outside their comfort zone. So, yeah, again, you know, let's, yeah, um, celebrate those sort of victories. Um, yeah, get people moving, get people active. Um, yeah, and like International Women's Day, like, yeah, seeing 125 women that didn't know each other, yeah, you know, jump out on a fitness class. It was amazing to see, and especially, like, just before COVID hit. Um, yeah, like, I sort of think to myself, wow, when, how long is it going to be until I see that sort of number again? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing those sort of things, so. And, and have you found that, um, I mean, I, females and males, but have you found that, uh, that, that people, when they first enter, the fitness industry they're worried about other people think have you found that to be with the biggest hurdle to letting people know that well no other people are probably worried about their own self-image anyway yeah i think you always get those people that um they're afraid to start because they look at other people who's you know been on that sort of journey for a few months or a few years before then they're like oh i'm not that at that stage you know i can't do 10 burpees without feeling, you know, I'm out of breath or, you know, I can't do that. I can't run five K's and all those sort of things. So, you know, there's always those natural 
instincts in people that they will put up those boundaries um, yeah. and always, you know, will, you know, put themselves sort of in that position that, oh, you know, and always say, I can't. But, you know, you can. And the way that you can turn that around is by starting, you know. And, you know, if you want to achieve a 5K, you know, it might mean that you start off by walking or running, you know, 500 metres. That's better than what you was doing yesterday. So, yeah, it's just that starting point. And that's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Um, and once you get past that, you know, your goals can just become bigger and bigger. You know, that 5K that you was dreaming about will soon be your warm-up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's, um, I think it's just getting people to realize that Rome wasn't built in a day and it takes, takes a while and a little bit of consistency. And, but if you enjoy it, I think it's the people around you that, that make it. I, I, I know personally, I've been part of running groups and, um, yeah, they just become your best mates and people that you can do. It's on. a, yeah, an absolutely amazing community with runners. Um, and running's one of those sports that you can get into and it's just that constant improvement. Um, you know, if you want to get speed, if you want to get endurance, you know, if you want to get a better pace, um, and there's so many different events that you can be a part of, um, yeah, and communities like park run and running groups. Um, yeah, it's just such a massive world to be a part of. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're not alone. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very individual sport, but not. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you touched on the FedEx Games. I didn't know about this. Can you can you explain? Yeah. What you about that? So the FedEx Games was going to happen this year in line with the Olympics, um, but we have pushed it out now for till next year until the Olympics is on. So it's going to be a more participation based expo. So have more um, events happening from like weightlifting, powerlifting, CrossFit. Um, so a world sort of range of activities happening that people can come and watch. And see, yeah, some of you know Tassie's, you know, best in the sort of industry take part in our own little yeah games here in Tassie. So, yeah, it's exciting. Um, yeah, and we yeah can't wait to sort of have that yeah come along. So yeah, I was really yeah. excited to sort of launch it this year, but we just have to wait a little bit longer. That's right. It'll get people hungry if they know about it. And, and That's it. it. Yeah. <laughs> And do you have a formula with that, how that how it's going to work with the competition or you're not real sure? So this will be the first one that we do. So so usually it's just always been the FedEx Expo. Um, but, yeah, next year will be the first FedEx Games. But, yeah, it will be very much more participation-based. So we'll be getting in the individual um, clubs that run, you know, these sort of events and having them all under one roof on one day right. competing. Unreal. And... Let's talk about more about the, the races that you've competed in and some of your, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. So I've, yeah, I've been in a, oh, many, many, many races. So some of the local events that I've been a part of has been the city to casino, uh, the run the bridge, uh, Cadbury's, uh, around the river. Um, yeah, I've done a wide range of events here. But then, yeah, I've also done a fair few events on the mainland. So I've done the ultimate stair climb at the MCG, the stadium stomp. It would have been <laughs> almost 12 months today. Wow. Um, so that was climbing up and down all the steps in the MCG. So it was like, I think, 7,600 actual steps going up and down. Wow. Um, so it was a <laughs> massive calf killer. <laughs> 
Um, and then, yeah, I've been a part of it. Yeah, many Spartan races as well, which has been to, yeah, take me to many different locations from the MCG to Marvel Stadium to Turidan. Um, so, yeah, I've got to see some quite rare and unique sort of experiences there with running. Um, wow. Yeah, so, it's, yeah, it's been, yeah, lots of different events that I've been, yeah, a part of, which is great. Right. And, and what would you say would be your favourite event or, or the one that you really look forward to? My favourite running event is a local event and that's Run the Bridge here yeah. in Hobart. It's yeah. an absolutely amazing feeling just to run over that Tasman Bridge. You know, something I drive over all the time, but to yeah, actually run it and have it completely shut down, yeah, it's just one of those races I'm like, yep. I love this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's something really, I've done it three or four times and um, yeah. it's a bit cruel though. Cause you like, you go up, I think it's Rosny Hill. It's about three or four K in. Yeah. And, yeah. It's a bit of a nasty climb and you come back down the bridge <laughs> and, and you think it's, oh yeah, it's flat all this, but then I think it's a, there's a rise about seven K. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you come into Salamanca and you still think you're finished, but they take you all the way down. Oh bottom. yeah, you go past the finish line and then you've got another like K to go. And <laughs> oh, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, but no, it's one of my yeah favourite races. That one. Yeah, love yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. And the the MCG one, I'm, I'm really curious about this. What sort of what sort of training do you do for that? Is, is it step stuff? Is that? It was a lot of step ups that I was doing. Um, a lot of stair runs as well. So yeah. I used to hit the Mount Nelson stairs. I used to go oh. to the Argyle Street car park and go up and down the stairs there as well. Um, and it was, yeah, a lot of step ups, a lot of squats. Um, and it was really just trying to build up my leg strength as well. So I was coming back from an injury when I was going into that run. And so I had probably about six weeks to only prep myself. So it was, yeah, a tough sort of prep for that run. And I sort of divided it into, I said to myself, I'd take me probably about three hours and breaking that down. So that meant that I had to hit 21 steps every 30 seconds. Wow. Um, but I ended up doing it in, I think, about like one hour, 45 minutes. So I was hitting yeah. about 72 steps every minute. So wow. I was happy with that at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, when you get to that top level of the MCG, there's not much, I don't really know how to explain it, but it was pretty much like I was climbing a ladder. Yeah. I did not realize <laughs> how steep that <laughs> top section was. Um, the first two sort of layers of the MCG, yeah. it was easy peasy. I'm like, Oh, this is so good. This is so easy. I can do this all day long. And then you hit that top level and yeah, you're, pretty much as you're going up you get about halfway and then you're pretty much like on your pretty much hands and legs yeah climbing up those last few and then yeah you come back down the elastic acid in your legs sort of yeah you know go you know your legs feel good again and then yeah you come back up again it's like oh my gosh here we go uh, again <laughs> yeah. yeah well i've actually never run at them but i've sat at the nosebleed section in a few football games <sighs> And I've carried a beer and a meat pie up the steps and I don't know how bad that was. So yeah, doing that thousand, thousand odd steps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was, yeah, pretty tough. That was, um, yeah. yeah like I, people have said, oh, would you do it again? 
I don't think I could. My legs, I've never had doms so bad in my life after that run. <laughs> yeah. And have, and have you done the um, any tower runs as well, like the the big tall buildings? Just in the yeah. After I did the MCG one, I was looking into other sort of stair runs. Yeah. And I looked into the uh, Eureka one. Yeah. Um, and the Sydney Tower run. Um, so they're both on my list to do, but I haven't got there yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, people do them pretty quick. Like I was looking at how many floors of steps it is and yeah, they run it in like 15 minutes. I'm like, woof. ridiculous, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. None of that stuff interests me at all. I, I got into the mountain running and, and that was enough for me. Like mm. I've done a few, a few races doing that. And like you said, the doms the next day and day after. Like yeah. you feel okay, it's just the next day that you don't feel okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, like I think it would have easily been, I reckon, four days of doms I had after the MCG. And yeah, I reckon wow. it was just because, you know, it was just that constant steps, you know, all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, there was no flat bits. It was just <laughs> steps, uh, steps and more steps. <laughs> oh, crazy. And, and this obstacle course racing, do they do mm-hmm. events at a 42K as well? Is there something... Yeah, so they do yeah. do um, ultra marathons and yeah. they do events that go for 12 hours at a time. Wow. Um, so they have, yeah, a wide range of events that they do worldwide. Um, so, yeah, like there's something for everyone. Like they do kids events. They do, yeah, like people who want to do, yeah, ultra marathons. Um, yeah, people who really want to have the challenge and go for 12 hours straight. Um, yeah, and there's team building ones. Um, yeah, there's races for people just starting out. Um, yeah, and then they have like the elites as well, the world championships. So there's yeah, Unreal. heaps of different angles that people can get into it. Yeah, I tell you what, I did watch. I watched CrossFit on TV on Netflix. Oh yes, I really enjoyed it. Like yeah, oh, so you, very been, similar to yeah. that. It is yeah, yeah. Well, like that sort of workout. So. Yeah, like you've really got to be like a well-rounded athlete. You've got to be a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And it was, yeah, just just really impressive. Yeah, it's really yeah. interesting to watch that sort of stuff. Like I watched that, yeah, like for FitX to get ideas. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm like, wow, like yeah, how they move their body and, yeah, what they endure. And, yeah, it's just incredible to watch. Yeah, and, and I can imagine just with you guys, I, I, I could see people just flocking to the sheds to go and see this event like mm. I, could you imagine two thousand people just in a shed just watching this stuff like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's and, it yeah and is that the goal is that what you that like? is the goal so yeah. especially with fitx throwdown that we have coming up um we want to put more of like an entertainment spill on it so it's things that people want to watch workouts that people want to be like watching and be like wow look at them do that um, you know, so they walk away and be like, wow, you know, I want to go to the gym and give that a crack, you know? So it's yeah, going to be, yeah, different styles of workouts. So we are working in sort of a line with Notorious Gym here. So they have um, one of their owners is a Commonwealth Games athlete for New Zealand. So they've got some great right. ideas that they bring into the table. So it's going to be, yeah, a pretty epic event. Sounds sounds great. Think I need to make the trip down and have a bit of a look. Oh yeah, that's uh, it. Get a team in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it sounds fantastic. And <laughs> you mentioned that you had a serious 
injury. Did you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about this and, and how it happened? And Yeah, definitely. So it was in March last year. Um, I was competing in a Spartan race. Um, so it was my first ever sprint super combo that I was taking part in. So that is a 14K event with 30 obstacles. Then you break for about an hour and then you go back out, do 5Ks with another 30 obstacles all in one day. Um, So this is the first time that I was doing a back-to-back race like that. And my training leading into it was the best training that I'd ever done. I was probably the fittest I ever had been for quite some time. Um, yeah, and I was sort of, it was a really hot day. So I was about 38 degrees running in Turin. There was hardly any shade and it was on an equestrian course. And yeah, we got to the second last obstacle, which was the monkey bars. And I can remember I hesitated and I can, there's even a picture of me standing at the monkey bars and I'm just like, got my hands on my head. So I'm thinking, oh, I can't do this. Um, and I'm quite short in height. And I was standing on the stool and I reached for the bars and I couldn't reach for it. So then I decided to start climbing the rig to try and get a better grip. But again, yeah, couldn't sort of get that right grip. So then I stood on the stool and I thought, oh, well, I'm going to do a massive sort of leap of faith. And yeah, jumped out um, as I sort of grabbed the bar um, because it was hot. I let go. And then it was sort of like slow-mo the next bit. It was like I could see what was about to happen. Um, and, yeah, I, my right elbow took all the grunt of the fall. Um, and, yeah, sort of straight away it was instant pain. Um, yeah, I was sort of a lot of pain I was in. And, yeah, like first aid came. And at that stage, like I thought maybe I'd only dislocated it and that I'd go to the first aid tent. They'd pop me back into place and then I'd be able to run in my next race. Um And like I could see the finish line ahead. So I was very determined to get back up and finish the race that I was in. Um, So they sort of strapped me in like in a bit of a sling. Um, I had a green whistle that was helping with the pain. And yeah, they were trying to put me into their sort of fitness, their um, first aid cart. And I'm like, no, 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 I've got to finish this race first. So I got back up and yeah, walked to the finish line. Um, and then, yeah, once I crossed the line, got my medal, um, then I went to first aid and got myself seen to, and they're like, you've got to go to hospital right away. I'm like, hospital? Like what? Um, so yeah, got to hospital and yeah, soon realized that I had done a lot, lot more damage than I had first thought I had. Um, and I'd actually done a terrible triad, um, which is where you break your bones, you tear your ligaments and you tear your tendons. So pretty much from my elbow down, oh. nothing was attached. Oh, jeez. Oh. Yeah, nothing at all was attached. Um, so they said to me um, in Frankston Hospital, they said, you know, you're probably never going to be able to straighten your arm again. And I was like, whoa, wow. Like, you know, that really sort of hit me. I couldn't believe, like, I thought, wow, just a broken arm, you know, it'll be six weeks in plaster and I'll be fine. And they said, you know, this is a really bad injury that you've done and you might not ever recover from this. Um, so then we had to start planning like surgery. Um, and because I wasn't from Victoria, we had to do a intra-hospital transfer. So get me from Victoria back here to Hobart. Um, yeah, and then I got back here to Hobart and yeah, we started the sort of the first massive surgery that I had. Um, yeah, pinned and bolted me all back together. 
Um, but then it was the learning curve of then having to reuse, retrain my arm. Um, yeah. And I had to learn to ride again, had to learn to drive again. I had to learn to even tie my shoelaces. Um, yeah, nothing at all worked. <laughs> so it was a pretty crazy experience to go through. Um, it was a lot of physio um, and I've had five surgeries since I did it. Um, and yeah, like I still can't straighten my arm um, 100%, but I can still do pretty much everything that I could do beforehand. So it's, yeah pretty crazy um but yeah like my challenge was um after that injury that I always wanted to go back and do Spartan again I didn't want that to be the race that stopped me or defeated me or anything like that so pretty much I think it might have been day two I set that goal that by the end of the year I'm going to go back to Spartan and everyone's like no no you can't you can't you know everyone sort of said no you know you've done this why would you go back um, and I said, no, I have to, like, and I think it might've been more like a bit of a mental health, you know, to get over that sort of boundary. Um, yeah. so yeah, so nine months, I set a goal and they told me I wouldn't be sort of recovered for about 12 months. So I knew I was sort of ahead of that sort of schedule that they'd put forward for me. Um, but I knew that was going to push me, um, and to challenge me and to, yeah, sort of that determination and grit that I sort of needed. Um, yeah, and I went back in December and took part in a 5k sprint and smashed it out of the park. Unreal, fantastic! Yeah, yeah, good. And you talked about your mental health. How was that during that time? Because I know personally, if I can't do what I love to do, mm. I really struggle. Did you have dark days? With- yeah, 100%. So when I first did it, like I think because it, it was just one of those freak accidents. Um, you know, from going from your fittest, then being completely sort of disabled, um, you know, it was very hard for me to come to terms with that fact that I had to rely on people to drive me. I had to rely on people to, you know, help me to get dressed and to help me, you know, shower and all those sort of things. So it was very hard for me because I am such independent, then have to rely on people. Um, and it was hard, like even going back to the gym and, you know, I wanted to do everything that I was doing beforehand and I had to slow down. And one of my biggest things was I was never good with patience before injury. Um, but I had to quickly learn to have patience um, once I sort of had injured myself. So I think now I'm probably one of the most patient people you'd ever meet. Um, but I had to trust that process as well. Um, you know, there would be days where my arm will work perfect. And then the next day, it does not like it's sore, it's pain, it's got fatigued, um, you know, to do a simple push up, it's like, nah, it's not going to happen. So I just have to, yeah, you know, go with the flow with those days. And especially with my training, like I need to be able to know how I can change it up and still be able to move forward. Um, and yeah, like leading, going back into obstacle course racing, like I really had to adapt. Um, you know, I had to make sure that my left hand side of my body is a lot stronger than my right hand side because if I'm stuck on an obstacle I need to rely on my left hand to be able to you know outweigh my right hand if it fatigues so yeah it was massive adaption that I had to do um and even running um so I had a complete new running style that I had to learn as well um because yeah my right sort of my right arm just felt like a brick for some time so every time I tried to run my right hand wasn't flowing back like it usually would. 
um, and it was just really heavy. Um, and yeah, so when I did the MCG stair climb, that was only, um, so that would have been about 12 weeks after I'd injured myself. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, and the first six weeks of after I injured myself, I wasn't allowed to do any running and I wasn't allowed to do any exercise. Yeah. So that's why I had only a six-week um, prep time, yeah, leading into that race because, yeah, I'd just come off a massive injury. Yeah, um, yeah and so that was sort of my first sort of um, comeback goal was to do that race. Um, yeah, and, like, when I first started running again, yeah, I couldn't run. Couldn't yeah. run at all. Um, and I was like, oh gosh, I've set this big goal. I can't even run yet. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was just learning a complete new style of running. Um, yeah. yeah and that's still wow. changing and evolving, like even to this day yeah. now. Um, yeah. Learning to run. Yeah. Because it's still a little bit different. <laughs> I mean, just to show that resilience, so it shows what sort of character you are. Cause not everyone would be that driven or, or or want that so much and you said it was your your right hand was it your, your right yeah. arm yeah yeah and are you, are you right-handed is that i am yeah and you have to make sure your left hand's the strongest one see that even that in itself that's that's not an easy thing to do to you know you gotta change no. as well so yeah oh, and yeah. so one of the biggest things for me so my moto neuron had pretty much switched off from my right hand um, so one of the things that my PT trainer realized was, okay, your motor neuron skills aren't working, you know, with your arm. And so she used to chuck a ball at me at, all the time. So like a dodge ball and she just chuck it at me. And I remember the first time she did it, my hands just dropped. Like no way that want to catch a ball at all. Yeah. And like in my brain, I wanted to catch it, but like, no, nah, my body was just like, no. So then she picked up the ball again, chucked it at me. And then the second time, I think my left hand sort of touched it, but my right hand just let it fall. So again, she picked it up, threw it at me again. Then both times, this time, like both hands touched the ball. And then, yeah, she'd pick it up, throw it again. And then, yeah, I think it was like about the fifth time I caught the ball. Yeah. And, yeah, and straight away from that moment, straight away, you could tell that my motor neuron skills had switched on again. Yeah. And yeah. And it was, yeah, an amazing sort of experience to see um, and very grateful for having a trainer like that that knew, you know, how to get things moving and how to switch my brain back on. Yeah, and it was as simple as, yeah, chucking a ball at me. So, <laughs> well, that's yeah. A, so. That's the beauty of our brain. It can be retrained. Uh, I just noticed from my own studies and what I know myself, it's like 10,000 times in a neural pathway before it starts to get formed or something like that. So yeah. it just shows it you do it repeatedly, eventually your brain will go, oh, okay, that's a new pathway. I'll go, yeah. I'll go that way. That's it, yeah. So, yeah, it's been a really, you know, challenging sort of process, um, you know, to sort of go from like, you know, like normal everyday sort of life things to, you know, adapting with work and, yeah, adapting in the fitness industry as well, like, you know, going to the gym and, yeah, being able to run again, um, yeah, and setting these big challenges, but it hasn't stopped me at all. Like I yeah. did run the bridge sort of before I injured myself and I did run the bridge this year and I was exactly the same time. So it hasn't slowed me down at all. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just probably, yeah, made, I think it's actually, yeah, it has definitely made me stronger. Um, 
yeah, moving forward. So, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, I read a lot about, you know, injury when I first did it and how to overcome it and, yeah, all those sort of things. And, yeah, like I, if anyone has an injury, yeah, just don't give up. Like, yeah, that's my best advice. Great. No, it just, just shows you what sort of person you are. Uh, <laughs> anyone looking in, so that, yeah, that's fantastic. And it shows uh, if the mind's strong and, it's, and the brain's willing, anything's possible. And sometimes it, what the doctors say isn't always the case. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like rehab exercises, what sort of stuff are you doing in the gym? Was it uh, very similar to what you're doing beforehand or just everything had to change? Um, everything, yeah, changed, it did. Um, so when I went back to the gym after I'd done it, so I think I was back in the gym around that sort of six week mark and mostly the first sort of, oh, first few months was mostly legs yeah, okay. and, and left arm. So I wasn't using my right arm at all at the gym. Um, so people was like, oh, you're going to have like one massive big Hulk arm at the end of this. And I'm like, well, if that's the case, then yeah, let's do it. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of, um, and then it was just sort of easing back into exercise. So I had to learn to, you know, have that sort of trust in my hand that it could hold my weight when I was doing a push up. And, um, so when I started doing push ups, I was doing push ups against a wall, you know, to get that sort of movement down pat. Um, when I was doing burpees, I was doing it up against a bench. Um, yeah, so it was a lot of adapting to how I would normally do an exercise. Um, yeah, and then I'd sort of build up the confidence, build up that strength, and then, yeah, would try it out, you know, on the ground and, yeah, test out the movements, how I used to be able to do it. I bet you were looking for those <laughs> small wins and small goals. That's what would keep you inspired, I reckon. That's it. Um, yeah, like I used to always sort of celebrate those little things, um, you know, just to, to be able to do a proper push-up again. Yeah. But, you know, for someone, you know, if you go to the gym every day, you know, it doesn't mean anything to them. But when I, yeah, was able to do that again, like it felt like, you know, an absolute amazing, you know, to be able to do that. So it's made me very grateful um, yeah. for, yeah, the most smallest of things. Um, like I remember the day even that I was able to tie my shoelace again, you know, that was like, wow, you know, I can do my own shoelace. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. And even no, like, it, I, it's not small, it's huge. It's, mm. that's, that's a big thing. Cause you know, we, yeah, it's been grateful though, isn't it? Like yeah. those small things and it'd be even like stuff like being able to pick up something and eat it even. Yeah. So, cause my hand was pretty much like stuck pretty much like if you was in a sling, my hand was like stuck in that sort of position. So yeah, like even be able to like, yeah, have a water bottle and just to be able to like have a drink from a water bottle. That took me probably four months to be able to have a drink from a water bottle. Um, yeah. And like now I do it so naturally, like it's so easy to do. Um, yeah. And like even just to be able to like touch behind your neck and um, to even hold a phone. So I remember my physio would say like, okay, you're not at the, hold like hand holding phone sort of ratio yet but you're getting closer and yeah and then I remember one day I answered my phone and I was like oh I'm holding it in my right hand I'm at that ratio now like yeah so there's different goals that yeah have been on the tables um and I remember like I said to my physio I'm like how long is it going to be until I'm going to be able to drive again and I remember I remember him saying it's going to be months and I was like wow you know like that was sort of a big shock for me and so then I started practicing and I'd sort of go around the block and trying to, you know, work out how to use my indicator again. And 
um, trying to work out the height that I needed to, um, yeah, be able to drive. And yeah, within a few weeks, yeah, I was able to drive again. So yeah, it took practice. Um, yeah, but it was just that sort of consistency that I had to keep going. Um, yeah. And keep sort of setting those goals and yeah, you know, then once I got those goals and I had to, yeah, you know, set new goals to go after. Um, so yeah, it took a lot of self-motivation. Yeah. And it just comes back to transversal. Like I mentioned transferable skills. It's, it's, yeah. it's what the, your sport, your sporting background, all that hard work, dedication, it requires putting in and doing the hours and thing. Anything's possible if you want it to happen. Like that's it. Um, yeah. It's just not putting limitations on yourself. And it sounds like you're the person that would never do that and like to prove people wrong. So awesome. I yeah. Reckon. Yeah. yeah. That's and, it. Uh, being, being grateful. This is something that I'm learning to do. I wasn't always yes. like, <laughs> grateful person, but um, yeah, I just love how you touched on that. And it's, and sometimes it's hard to be grateful, but if you can look for something small every day, is that something that you look for now? I do. Um, yeah. And I think like, it's funny, like the lessons that you learn from an injury that you can then carry on for the rest of your life. And yeah, being grateful is yeah, definitely those, you know, things that you appreciate so much more. And it could be just, you know, saying thank you to the people who are around you, you know, the people who support you, um, you know, being grateful for, yeah, the little things that you have in life that, you know, it might be, you know, go and be able to go to the beach for a walk or something like that, you know, just that time that you're grateful for. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like the biggest other thing that I learned was, yeah, definitely patience. Like I felt like before I was never um, patient and was always someone that was just ready to, you know, jump out the gate, ready to go, boom, 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 um, and lived a very fast paced life. Um, but then, yeah, I was forced to slow down and yeah, appreciate the small things in life. So, and it made me that I had to work sort of smarter in the way that I had to do things because I was, you know, injured and all those sort of things. So it made me a better worker. It made me a better friend. Yeah. And it's made me a better person at the end of the day. So yeah. So it had to like, I'm sort of grateful for it, even though, you know, it was a bit of a tough situation but it's made me who I am today. So yeah, it's Nothing. definitely, yeah. Yeah. And I'm a true believer. I, I've had a few things going in my life, but I believe it all. Everything happens for a happens reason. For a reason. That's it. <laughs> you go for all this shit or whatever. And if you get yeah. some positives out of it and help other people, even you, you don't know, you might, you know, someone might be listening to this podcast today and go, shit, I'm in a similar position. Yeah. I can do this. So yeah. like, you will touch people. Just, yeah, just for your yeah. work. And that's what I was sort of said to someone like, you know, if I, if, if my story can inspire one person who's, you know, been injured or, you know, feeling down at the moment, you know, just to not give up, you know, like there is, it does get better. Um, you know, I remember there was many days there I'm like, oh, you know, I can't do this. Maybe they should have just chopped it off. You know, it probably would have been easier. Um, but then I'm like, no, no, like I've still got my arm, you know, I've got to be able to use it. So yeah. And it's just that driving forward. Um, yeah. And finding the positives in everyday life. Like, you know, if, even if you have worst day ever, I'm sure you can find one thing that's made you happy or made you smile or something that you're grateful for. Perfect. That's yeah. Brilliant. Couldn't have said it any better. <laughs> and you talked about your team around you. So who is your team? Who are the people that really get you up? 
Yeah, so I've got a really supportive group of friends um, around me at the moment um, and they're just absolutely amazing. So they support me 110% of the way with all my crazy ideas that I have um, with work, with fitness, with life. Um, yeah, and, you know, they're your cheer squad at the side. Um, they're there for you, you know, when you're having a bad day. Um, they celebrate the small wins um, so yeah, like I've got, yeah, a small little team that I have really close to me. Um, and then I'm also, I've got, yeah, an amazing family as well that sort of back the, all these crazy ideas that I have too. Um, but I, yeah, sort of surround myself with like-minded people. Um, so people that are, you know, got big dreamers, big aspirations. Um, and I find that those sort of people, yeah, help me to strive and push harder. Um, yeah, and are definitely idea people. Yeah, great. And everything we see in the service, um, I like the analogy, do you know, where you see the iceberg? Mm-hmm. You know, floating on the top and then all the shit underneath. Yes. No all that. Um, <laughs> I think that's a perfect thing because all your close friends or your family see all the shit you go through, but everyone, but often some people only see the success and they don't see yes. what, all the what hard goes on underneath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, no, that's brilliant. And and what does Nikki's life look like outside exercise and injury recovery? And yeah, so outside of, yeah, work and, yeah, fitness, um, I'm a very outdoorsy person. Um, so I find sort of when I have that sort of downtime, I'm either out exploring, going on adventures, um, hanging out with friends, enjoying music, um, going to concerts. And I love to travel as well. So, yeah, I'm very outgoing um yeah and just love to be outdoors i find yeah like in that fresh air is yeah where i just love to be so great and do you like camping or glamping oh i think i'm more of a glamper <laughs> yeah same <laughs> <laughs> get me a, a bit of tent and i'm right <laughs> yeah yeah but i uh i did go to falls festival this year um and yeah i was going to camp it um, but I did have a tent with no poles, so I had to bunker into the car. So that's probably the closest I've got to camping in a while. So, <laughs> yeah, no, brilliant. Um, oh, well, we're lucky too. We live in one, one of the best places to do that sort of sort of thing, anyway, don't we? Oh, there's so many, yeah, amazing spots around Tassie. Like I love the East Coast and the Tasman Peninsula way. Um, yeah, and yeah, like I everyone sort of says, you've got to go explore the Northwest and the West Coast. I'm like, yeah, I will one day. I will. I'll get there. <laughs> yeah, no, we've got some cracking spots up here. Do you like Cradle Mountain? I've never been to Cradle Mountain. Oh, oh you have to make the trip up. I know. 29 years of living here in Tassie <laughs> and, yep, never been to Cradle Mountain. That's funny, though. I probably wouldn't have been a lot. Well, there's, there's one place I hadn't been been to the Rivulet walking track. Yep. Yeah, is it, and it's near the old women's prison. Yeah, up near the Cascade Brewery. Yeah, I hadn't been there till two years ago, so it's, <laughs> it's that. that's just the city. So. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, but yeah, I've never been to Cradle Mountain. Yeah, everyone's like, "How you go exploring, adventuring? You've never been there." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. I know, I know." <laughs> you just love it. Like you can do a bit of running as well, but it's just a beautiful spot. Yeah. Yeah, and what's one piece of advice that you would give someone um, in all the events that, you, that you've done or you're going to do in the future? Like, mm. some wise words that you'd pass on? 
Um, I think, yeah, just to think positively. Um, so, you know, your thoughts become your words, your words become your beliefs and your beliefs become your values. Um, so definitely, you know, trying to live the most positive life that you can um, is definitely going to help you try to achieve those bigger things. Because as soon as you think negative and think, I can't, you know, your dreams and goals is usually that's what happens. So if you dream, you can do it. You can go out there and do it. So yeah, give it a red hot crack. Beautiful. And I like how you mentioned values. Are I'm going to come back to myself. It's not about me, but <laughs> I know I've done a lot of value work. Um, just yeah. through my past, I've had a lot of issues with alcohol over the years, and the reason why I have these issues and why I have like I feel so shit afterwards because it compromises my values. Mm. Uh, do you find that with if you're not living by your values that you just feel like shit? Yeah, like if I, you know, have sort of a bad rough period or something like that where, you know, I'm not thinking those positive thoughts, I don't seem to move forward with the visions that I have. Um, and I know to be able to crack that, you know, I have to flip that narrative. Um, you know, I, if you get yourself into a rut and you think, oh, yeah, I can't do this, you know, I'm never going to be able to do that, just flip it and think, oh, hang on. I can do this. I can do that. You know, I can go around it this way. And before you know it, you start, you know, thinking differently. You start saying different words. You start acting differently. Um, and, yeah, from those sort of, you know, words and actions, your life starts to change. And it might be even just the smallest of thing that you start to think differently about. But, you know, over days and weeks and months and years to come, you look back and you think, wow, you know, that was all just my mindset that I changed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it probably seems, you know, you think, oh yeah, that's, you know, easy enough to do. Um, and it does take a bit of training to do, you know, and when you do get that sort of a negative thought in your head, like instead of acting on it, you know, try and rethink it, you know, and try and rephrase it in your head before you, you know, do any actions on it. Yeah. Brilliant. And positive affirmations and even the simple stuff, like looking, this is the hardest thing that people find is looking into the mirror and saying, yes, I am worthy mm. whatever's coming. If you, don't, if you don't agree with that, how's the universe meant to? If you're not open yeah. to it. And I, I'm, I'm a huge believer in this stuff, that mm. if, you know, the universe, things happen for a reason. And if you're yeah. willing to accept it. And it's like, do you know when you, uh, when you think about someone and then suddenly they message you? I, I, yeah. I believe that that shit doesn't happen. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, I'm a strong happen. believer as well that, yeah, everything happens for a reason. Um, yeah. And I think you have to, like, you know, even with everything that's happened with COVID, like, to me, it's been a massive global reset in a way. Hmm. Um, you know, it's changed the way that different industries will work. Um, and even though it's caused, you know, a lot of deaths and a lot of cases and a lot of heartache and, you know, all those sort of hard times that have come out of it, you know, coming out of it, like, you know, you've heard stories of people saying, you know, it's the first time I've heard birds chirp in my neighbourhood and, you know, the first time that I've really, you know, like the smogs lifted in different places around the world. And, um, yeah, like the things moving forward is going to be different, but we are going to be so much more grateful for things, you know, as they come open, like, you know, travel, for instance, you know, it's going to be a while that we go on international holidays and things, but we're going to... yeah. Yeah, but we're going to experience our own backyards for once, you know, like school holidays is coming up here in Tassie. And I think there's going to be so much more people traveling around the state, you know, and giving back to those sort of local small businesses. So, 
yeah, like there's so much to come out of these tough times. Um, yeah, that I'm excited to see what this new era is. Yeah, no, no, perfect. I, I couldn't have said it better. I think, I, I think you're right. I think um, people will really this in a, in a good way. They're probably looking at it as a positive way and why the shit, you know, why this is happening. But mm. like you said, I think some, some great things will, will come out of this. And yeah, uh, future, future endeavors that you'd like to achieve yourself. Yeah. So my next big fitness goal is for me to get my Spartan trifecta. So a Spartan trifecta is doing three different event classes in one year. So it means that you do a 5K sprint, a 10K super, and a 21K beast. Wow. Um, so I'm hoping to do that in November once physical events are back up and running. Um, so that's in Bright in Victoria, um, going up a massive mountain. Um, so, yeah, on the Saturday you go over, you do your 10K super in the on the morning, you break for an hour, you do your 5K um, sprint. Um, so there's about 60 obstacles involved in that sort of first day. Um, and then the next day you go out and do your 21K beast that has you yeah, about 35 obstacles. So, yeah, so about 41Ks over two days. Um, so that will be the biggest event that I've ever done. Um, yeah, and then I finally get that Spartan trifecta that I've been chasing down for quite some time now. Great. Uh, that's awesome. We all need goals. And... Um... Bright, that's like not far from Falls Creek because done a little bit of training around that that area. So I know. Do you do trails yeah. as well? Is there trails included in that? Yeah. So I've been sort of talking to a few people that's headed over from Tassie before who's done it, and I'm like, okay, so what sort of mountain here can I train on that's going to give me something close? Yeah. And they all just laugh and they said, "There's nothing that compares <laughs> to that mountain you're about to run." And I'm like, "Oh no! What have I got myself into?" And they said, yeah, there's nothing that compares to, I think it's called Mount um, Mount Mystic. I think that's what the mountain's called over there. And they, wow. and like they actually, people paraglide off it at the top. So that's how high it is up. Oh, um, but yeah, they said nothing compares to this event. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, I wish you the best of luck with that anyway. Yes. So yeah, I've got to, that's why I need to get my endurance up at the moment to yeah. yeah be able to tackle out. Yeah. That many Ks over two days. Um, yeah. To make sure the body can hold up and yeah, it's all strong and nothing's going to stop me. Yeah. Cool. And when's that event? That's when's... in mid November. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you got yeah. plenty of time to build then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And you mentioned parkrun, I think. What are your thoughts on parkrun? And, and do you find that it's actually improved the, like the events that, that you run and, and just the fitness side of what's happening in Tassie? Yeah, like parkrun, like I don't compete in it myself, um, but I know lots of people who do take part. And it's just growing and growing and growing. And it's all ages, which I love to see as well. Um, and, you know, having that, you know, every Saturday sort of, you know, Sunday that they run, you know, it's giving that constant progression that people can, you know, see how they're going. They can have that progress to track along. And I think from park run, it's increased numbers with local fun runs as well. You know, people are having that as their sort of, you know, weekly training and then, yeah, taking part in these events um, moving forward. So like particularly for Mother's Day Classic this year, like we went from a physical event to a virtual event. 
Um, and 25% of our participants this time was first timers, um, which is massive moving forward. Um, yeah, and so I think, yeah, Park Run has definitely helped, yeah, increase numbers with fun runs. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's filtered down in recreational running. Like, you, you can't believe. Uh, as a coach, so I, uh, <laughs> I'm two <laughs> runners racing it hard every weekend. Yeah. <laughs> because you can get very, very flat. Is that the same with the events that you do? It, it would be, wouldn't it? Like, you just can't kill yourself week in, week out. No, like, um, yeah, you've got to really pace yourself. Um, so I sort of stick to a bit of a training schedule that's sort of like a four-month sort of stint that I do before a race. And I can find myself sort of peaking about sort of two weeks before a big race day. And that's when I know I'm at my sort of fittest. But then I'm like, okay, well, I've got to, you know, keep that going for the next two weeks. So I feel that sort of strong fit. Um, and that comes down to, you know, exercise, nutrition, um, making sure that I'm drinking lots of water, sleeping um, correctly. Um, yeah. And sort of making sure that I've got all that balance, to make it work. Yeah. Um, because there's nothing worse that, you know, if you haven't done your nutrition, you get out on a race and then, you know, you fall flat. Like, you know, you haven't got that energy to get through it all. Um, you know, if you're not sleeping well, you know, you're going to get fatigued. Um, so, yeah, it's having that massive balance of all things to make it work. Um, but, yeah, it's a massive, like, four months prep that I go into for a race. Um, and it involves, like, slimming down and, yeah, building up strength and muscle and, yeah, all those sort of things that come into play. So, yeah, it's a fun yeah. process, <laughs> um, but it works every time. It sounds very similar to the well, – well, I know the running side, just running for a marathon. So you build it, you do your base, um, and then the last six weeks you get really specific. Is that what you do? Like, so – Yeah, going. so, yeah, like I'll know um, from, like, my last race the things that I really want to concentrate on, the things that I found was tough. And yeah. usually for me, that is upper body strength and grip strength. Um, so it's really that sort of pulling motion um, that I find that sometimes you don't get much at the gym. Um, and it's like the rope climbs and the monkey bars and the rings um, that I sort of really sort of struggle on out on course. Um, so, yeah, so I sort of, yeah, have that sort of specific that I'm like, okay, well, I really need to, you know, crack down on my upper body grip strength. And some of the most easiest things for grip strength is like just with a tennis ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know, holding a tennis ball and yeah, trying to get that grip strength going. Um, yeah. So it does have the specific points that you try to yeah work on. Um, and from race to race that changes, you know, so I might come back from a race and think, Oh, you know, I failed the Atlas carry, which is a, like a 30 kilo cement ball that you have to carry. Oh, I just go. Um, that you have to carry and so then I come back and I'm like okay well I need to be able to you know carry heavier things um, so you know you've got to put yourself in those conditions in training so that when you get to event day you're able to achieve those things yeah perfect uh, anyone tuning in if you can get specific as you can at any event uh, yeah there's some great examples I'll, I'll yeah and put yourself, yeah, in those conditions yeah. in training. Um, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned um, is, yeah, to try and, like, even if you're using gels or, you know, different protein products or supplements um, that you've never used before, you know, don't get to event day and think, oh, yeah, I'm going to give them a crack. You know, I've never used a gel, but I'm going to try it. 
because yeah. yeah there's a chance that your body might not react to it yeah. so yeah oh. make sure you use everything before you go into event day exactly right i think the biggest one i always look off oh, i shouldn't laugh but i always see people at expos buying shoes and i uh-huh i guess if you're a novice this is a thing that you have to learn sometimes to find out isn't it like yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah definitely like you know if you're used to a shoe brand and you know it's worked in the past then you know it's good but yeah if you're going in with a new shoe and something that you haven't used before yeah it's um a pretty yeah uncharted territory that you're going in you're setting yourself an extra challenge um yeah using your equipment in a race so yeah no being being specific to the event is everything and and it'll it'll, like it could be it could be minutes you're talking over a long race type thing like i don't know like i I always think gold coast marathon so i don't do a lot of hill training because it is so i I stay away from hills and and it's kept me in good stead, i think so (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah But um, yeah, and with um, like Spartan races, they don't usually give you the uh, lineup of the obstacles to about a week out. So it makes it hard with training. Um, So you got to sort of think, okay, what could come up? What might come up? Um, Yeah, and train sort of for those conditions. Um, And then again, out on course, you don't know, they will sort of give you the lineup, yeah, like a week out. So then you can see where the obstacles are spaced out, out on the course. Um, but yeah, you could have arms, you know, backed up to arms to back up to arms, or it could be arms and legs, you know, to upper body to balance. Um, so yeah, it's very different how each course is laid out and how it's structured. Um, and that's, yeah, I think why I enjoy it because every race is completely different. Sleep. I reckon that's such a good point to touch on. Yes. Uh, One of the most underrated people think they can have the perfect prep. And if you don't get enough sleep, your body isn't going to repair for that next mm. important session. Uh, That's it. What does your sleep look like? Are you, are you got pretty healthy sleep habits? Yeah, I think I do have pretty good sleep at the moment. So I try and get sort of eight hours a night um, sleep, uh, especially when I'm leading up to an event. I try to make that, you know, more important than ever um, to get that sort of sleep patterns in work. And even when, like, especially when I'm in event weeks, that's sometimes one of the most hardest things for me is to get sleep. Even though I know it helps me with the, uh, you know, trying to get through my day-to-day things. Um, But, you know, I can work crazy sort of, you know, 18, 20-hour days. Um, So, yeah, so sleep yeah for me is very important um so when i'm sort of in those event weeks you know leading up to event management days you know i need to take those sort of downtime you know moments to enjoy um and then especially after events are on you know i take that downtime to you know get my body back into order because yeah it does take a bit of a beating <laughs> yeah and that, and so i suppose it's it's a lifestyle that we live these days is even no everything's open just about seven day trading it does make yeah. it hard to do. I think catch up sleep, if you can do it, that's where you can. Yeah. Up, a bit of time or whatever. But um, yeah, if you're listening, get plenty of sleep. <laughs> yeah. And just learn to listen to your body. Like, you know, listen to it. Yeah. You know, if it feels sore, you know, if it needs water, all those sort of things. Like, you know, it is, you know, our vessel that we live in. We're only given one. So yeah, we need to look after it. Yeah. And, and water such a, Oh, yeah, I mean, it's what I've done. What 60% of your body's made up of water or something stupid like that? So it's yeah, 
pretty important to replace. <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah. And um, uh, the fitness industry, where do you see this heading? Yeah, I think the fitness industry is in a really unique position at the moment. Um, so especially, you know, coming out of COVID now, I think a lot of people and gyms and fitness, you know, professionals have all had that time to sit down, think outside the square, be able to remodel their businesses in how they want to move forward. Um, so I think we're going to see some amazing things come out in the next few months, um, in particularly for fun runs that I, you know, organise. I think moving forward, like most fun runs, like, you know, pretty much every major fun run here in Tassie, you know, has been cancelled this year. But I think moving forward, we're going to have that physical format plus also the virtual formats for runs. So if you can't, you know, physically get to a fun run, you're still going to be able to take place in a virtual format somehow. Um, and that's what, you know, has been, we've been seeing happening. You know, that's how Mother's Day Classic happened this year. We had a major response to that. You know, people being able to take part that was living in Es Rock and, you know, on rural country towns and farms. And, yeah, so it was people all over Australia that was able to take part in an event that, yeah, they'd never, ever been able to get to before. Um, yeah, and, like, you know, people can now take part in the New York Marathon virtually. So there's, yeah, all these different things that are coming into play that we're going to see, I think, yeah, come out more and more in the next few months. Yeah, and I I can't help to think, but it's like uh, shops happening now, like just having takeout food. Uh, yeah. We've got we touched on this before, but people have got um, really clever, and people are getting used to this lifestyle. So people will want that virtual race. Mm-hmm. Now. It's available. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, at the end of the day, if you're running a, a race, it's a business too. So who doesn't want more business? Yeah, and it's, you know, like elite races are happening, like even with um, cycling, like, you know, because they can't travel and can't, you know, be in bunches, like they've been able to do it virtually and still hold like championships. Um, Yeah. So, you know, you think, wow, you know, like that's going to cut down costs for people having to travel and, um, you know, all those sort of things. So I think that's something that we will see stay during this process. Um, you know, people are still going to crave those physical, con- you know, events and, you know, all those sort of things. But I think there is always going to be a virtual point that will be with everything that we move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and like I've been in lots of different um, event sort of seminars and meetings over the last few months and like the events industry has evolved years and, you know, a matter of weeks um, and it's taken, you know, all that sort of creativity that people, you know, have, you know, put out into the world. And yeah, like it's amazing to sort of see all the new concepts and technologies and apps that are all coming out. Um, yeah, that's going to be at our fingertips to use. So yeah, like every event, yeah, moving forward now, like on our drawing plan, has to have a virtual format. Yeah. yeah it does, and then people will expect it. Now, they'll be upset, I think, if it's not offered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, closing out today, um, you, well, we talked about values. What are some values that are really close to your heart? Yeah, so definitely close to my heart is uh, definitely having that sort of positive lifestyle. Um, it's mindset for me as well. So, mindset's a really big one. And it's living a healthy lifestyle. Um, so, yeah, I make sure that I live a healthy lifestyle. 
I have that positive mindset um, and I like to give back as well. That's something that's really important to me at the moment is giving back. Um, so, you know, during COVID, it was giving back to the community, you know, trying to support them as much as I could to inspire, to motivate, to keep them accountable. Um, yeah, and moving forward with my events, you know, that's the same thing that always comes into it is community and giving back. Great. I can't say any more of that. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this was Nikki Long. Thank you so much for uh, giving me your time today. No, I really appreciate it, Brian. And good luck with everything because what you're doing is awesome and I enjoy following you uh, on your Instagram and Facebook. Actually, did you want to tell the listeners your Instagram and Facebook handle so they can give you yeah, a Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can jump on the FitX Tasmania Facebook or Instagram um, or, yeah, you can jump on mine as well, which is, yeah, at Nikki underscore long 91. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, Nikki Long. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Nikki Long. I think that you would agree that Nikki's a really inspiring young lady and uh, has got some amazing life experience and how she came back from her injury is just amazing to defy the odds. I wish Nikki all the best with the FitX Games coming up and any events that she's going to compete in. Uh, in regards to the podcast, we still have singlets available, so if you'd like to purchase those, you can head over to www.everydaylines.org and check out the podcast singlets. We also have 8-week, uh, 12-week, 16-week and yearly training programs available. Uh, we also have a new microphone. So what you're hearing today is a new microphone that I've just purchased. I think the sound sounds delicious. Uh, until next time, I've been your host, Brian Lyons, and this is the Everyday Lyons podcast. Happy running.